hey, hey, welcome back, AIMP Nashville Pubcast listeners. I'm your host, Tim Hunzi, and today I have kind of a twist in our episode. As we are coming into the end of our season, I decided to flip things around and I bring in creative director Alex Tomashunas at Creative Nation to ask me questions. I thought it'd be fun to have an up and coming creative ask me some questions that they want to know about music publishing. I think we have some fun knowledge in here. She definitely brought some great questions. So sit back and enjoy. Hey, hey, welcome back to AIMP Nashville Pubcast listeners. Today we have a unique episode, a little bit of a twist. I am going to be interviewed today. I'm going to be interviewed by my good friend, creative director, Alex Tomashinas at Creative Nation. We thought it might be fun to have somebody, I used to call it Stump the Chump, but she's going to, as a young uh, executive in the business, she's going to come to question me as opposed to me questioning her to get just some advice on the music business and music publishing specifically. So this is going to be fun, a little bit of a different episode today. And Alex, welcome aboard the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. Thank you. Thank you. Baby's first podcast. So uh, hopefully I do a good job. Let me know. Oh, <laughs> you're going to be awesome. Full disclosure, I always like to say this up front. Alex and I worked together at the good Ole Anthem uh, back in the day. We uh, had a great time working together, so it's going to be fun sitting here being quizzed and grilled by her. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex, why don't you just give us, for those of my listeners that may not know who you are, why don't you give us a little background on yourself first before we jump in? Yeah, I'm originally from South Jersey, went to music business school at NYU, moved down here July of 2018, got lucky a couple months later, right place, right time, got a job at Olay via John Osher. Not too shortly after is when Tim Hunsey came on board, and I've been lucky enough to be mentored by him for the last couple years, and for the last two years, I'm now at Creative Nation with Bethel Nuclear. You have great mentors, I would say. That not just bad, that sounded bad since you just talked about me, but uh, working <laughs> with the, the crew, and then you had Sarah Canaby over there uh, for a little while. Mm-hmm. You've had some amazing mentors so far. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely incredibly lucky. It's it's so much fun. Best of the best. Well, now drum uh, roll, I am ready. Like, hit me with the questions. What do you got? Let's kick this bad boy off. Yeah, well, we'll start with a generic one. I'm curious to know what makes a good song publisher in your eyes? Wow. This is a question I don't think I've actually ever pondered. What makes a good music publisher? I would say one. I'll I'll give you a a quick answer. Passion. I'll say the reason I use that, I remember there was a time when I was working at Hamstein Music Group and uh, they were hiring a a lady um, at the time to come in as a VP who I knew very little about. So I asked around, I kept asking about, her name was Lisa Ramsey, uh, retired now, but one of my uh, longtime mentors and friends, still a good friend, but everybody told me the same thing about her. She's so passionate. And when I worked with her, I realized what that meant. She just was so passionate for the music. When she heard a song and she believed it was a hit, she would just be passionate about getting it placed somewhere. And the other side is she was so passionate about the writer she signed that she was so uh, driven to help build their success. And so uh, I learned to use that word a lot. Are you passionate? I mean, there's some, I don't know if it's technical requirements. My other part of that would be, you should be very passionate about music. I mean, what got me here was my love of music. I have been consuming, buying, listening, 
playing and a part of music since I was 13. I'm 55 now. Actually, it went back before 13. My mom was an avid music listener, so I've been listening most of my life. So you have to really, really love music. And I know that sounds really basic, like music publishing, but I think some people get into our our field because it seems fun and interesting, but it's really hard, as you know. Like doing what we do day in, day out is really hard. And if you're not really passionate about it, it can be really hard to do this job. Uh, and so passion is one of the key things that I think makes a a, a good publisher. And and I know this one's gonna be one that people won't like. Part two of that is have a good gut. Um I didn't know if I had a gut at all, but you know, you got to trust it and believe in it to to sign writers, to identify talent, to hear those good songs. There's not really classes for this. There's not, it's a, a almost a, like you mentioned, you have mentors as an apprenticeship. You kind of learn to to identify things and then trust yourself. Like if you think there's something in something, trust it and go with it. So those are some of the, and driven, I guess. Okay, see, I told you I'd get wordy here, but driven, you re- <laughs> You really have to have that self-motivational drive because you make it happen. I've, I've uh, talked to college panels and and been uh, and part of some other interviews, and I say everything that that I have been a part of, I've been a part of great teams, but for me personally and my own successes is getting out there. This is a sales job. You have to be willing to let go, take rejection, and hustle. Get out there, make those relationships build your own uh, opportunities and just go after it. You know, I, I, a term that people used to use a lot, I don't hear it quite as much as be an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, you've got to have that, that, that drive as well. So you combine all that, you got the drive, you got the passion and you learn to listen to your gut. That makes a good music publisher. That's a great answer. Next question. What makes you want to hire somebody? Again, I, I'm going to go with gut. I have found that I can just tell when somebody has that drive and passion for me. I know I keep saying the same words, but when I started Parallel, we were going around and we had somebody we thought was perfect for the job, but this name came up that, w- that somebody said we should interview. Her name was Hannah Showmaker at the time, now Hannah Wilson. And I remember she just came in and she just won TC and I over. My At the time, I was working in the management side. And I don't know, man. I we just knew she was a fresh out of Belmont, and she just had this. Uh, she even says she kind of chuckles and goes, "I don't think I interviewed well." I said it wasn't so much what you said; we just knew you had it right. And same uh, for pretty much anybody I've hired over the years. Um, Mary Kate's another person I hired, and on a completely different front, she was my administrator at Parallel, but she loved. <laughs> she was an intern. And I, I always give everybody an opportunity. I'm like, do you want to be creative? Like, do you like, you know, I ask them like, what are your goals? She was interning there and she goes, oh, I love spreadsheets. And I'm like, oh, really? I do not. <laughs> Glad you like spreadsheets. But she just loved it and was so good at it. And as much as I have passion about music, she had passion about really making sure all the numbers lined up. And she was, and still is, she's gone. She's still over at Anthem and does a great job. So you just see this inherent thing in somebody. I know that sounds weird. That's not a quality thing where you can go, well, you did this and I saw that you did that and you had great grades and you were socially active. It's really more of a vibe for me and I'm a vibe guy and that's kind of how I hire people. But but when you go in, you know, I think you can show that passion and how you answer your questions and how you um, come across to people in a room. 
that's awesome. What are the key challenges to working in such a personal relationship business? And how do you know um, what relationships to dive into? Like what's important <laughs> to a music publisher? I think there's there's two questions in your question. First, I'll address, yes, knowing the people. I I found early on in my career to try and get a coffee or lunch with those people that I thought were killing it in the business that I admired. Um, Pat Higdon was one. He was always really good to me. When I was just a little tape guy, he was always so passionate and excited when he came in the office and he had his own company and then he went to run Universal Music for a while. But he would take the time to sit with me and have lunch and just talk to me about the business. And and he was a great one outside my my own mentors within the company. Tim Dubois was running Arista Records, and I was so impressed. He would always stop by the tape room, see how I was doing, but he would take time to have a coffee, answer questions I had about the label, would listen to a song if I had it. And so you just build out those relationships. And a, a key factor I'll share that Pat Higdon taught me when I first met with him, the first lunch, and it kind of threw me. We're having lunch, and he looked at me and goes, well, Tim, what do you want? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, what do you want to do? Because I don't know how to help you if I don't know what you want. And that gave me pause to think. And I remember I told him, I was like, well, one day I want to have my own publishing company, but I want to keep learning and grow and uh, be a successful music publisher and uh, and particularly have my company. And he was always presenting. If something came up, he'd hit me up. Hey, there might be this opportunity for you. So learn to tell people your goals and what you want to do so they know how they can help you when those opportunities arise. So that's a that's a key for me. Look, I learned really early that this is a personal business, right? And you have to learn to separate business from personal, which is really challenging at times. And I, I can I can get specific on my end. Like I remember the first time I learned that we drop writers, and that is that really hurt me. Like I'm like, what do you mean you got to let them go? That's that's crazy. So um, you learn that at some point those relationships might end on a business level, but they don't have to end on a personal level. And you have to learn how to have those kind of breakups in a way and manage them in a way that you can continue to maintain those relationships because you're going to see everybody around campus, as we say, in, in, the, in the business. So and what do I mean by that? I have definitely had to let a lot of writers go over my 30 years. And some of them, those breakups were a little rough. But as the business guy, as the guy being the one telling the writer, I was letting him go. I didn't take it personal in the moment. Yes, I've been cussed at. I've had people cry on me. Some of them were mutually okay and, and good and, and all that. But even those, one of my prouder things is pretty much any writer I've ever worked with that wanted to continue to have a relationship with me, we still do. And I think I've ended most of my relationships on a positive note. Because there's reasons why you get to that place. And Generally speaking, after they get over the initial shock, they understand that something better was waiting and that that needed to happen for whatever reason. Because we all go through transition. I've been bought and sold, as you know. I've I've been through like five pretty major company shakeups. I've been let go from a job. So I understand what that means and that feeling and what you're going through. But you just got to learn to manage the personal and the business. So and that can take a lot of forms. It can mean having that very difficult conversation with somebody that, you know, when you're really close, let's say uh, you have a, a really good friend that's a co-publisher and they pitched a song somewhere and you didn't want it to go there and your writer's upset and you got to call them and deal with it and have that uncomfortable like, hey, man, we got to get that song back. 
or you know whatever that situation is and you got to be able to resolve it in a way that you can still maintain a business relationship and a friendship and or attorneys <laughs> i've gotten sideways with some attorneys that are actually my friends and we'll go have a beer later but we've gotten hot with one another and you got to learn not to try not to take it too personal and remember there's business and there's personal and that's a very tough and that line gets really blurry but it's it's a tough one it's one you're gonna have to learn to manage as you go along and sometimes it means having really really hard conversations be honest with people don't lie to them i've had that happen that always hurts but you know just try to maintain those the best you can Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And I'm curious to know, do you have a vision of what an employee that is fulfilling their job title versus an employee that's going above and beyond it looks like? Is it they're doing the same things, but one is capable of generating more results? Or is there a visible difference in those two things to you? Wow, that's that's tough. Results just are results. I'm the kind of leader and employee that just does what's in front of me. If I see something needs to be done, I'm going to do it. And that's kind of how I've been built as a as a human from my youth to now. And I mean everything from like, hey, the garbage is full. It's not beneath me. I'll take the garbage out. The refrigerator needs to be stocked. I'll stock it. Is there a report that needs to get done? Uh, you know, could I assign it to someone else? Great. I'll just do it. Now, I'm not saying about overburdening yourself, but I love people that you can see are willing to just do what's got to get done. But the other part of that that you're asking is, at the end of the day, are you getting back to the more specific? Are you getting the songs out? Are you creating opportunities for your writers that's going to be the best for them? You know, there's one thing to book calendars just so they look nice and they have rights every day. Or are those rights really strategic? Are those rights really going to create a value for your writer and for you? That's That's really important. And are you really putting thought into it when you do it? Are you going into those A&R meetings having really researched that artist you're pitching that song to? Or are you just sending it because, you know, Luke Laird or Shane McAnally or Jesse Frazier wrote it and you know that they have a lot of hits and you're pitching that song? Or are you really taking the time to dig through your catalog and find that song that they're asking for and sending it and creating those opportunities? So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of calendar building out that's not ideal and strategic. I find a lot of people send songs that are not even close to what the target is. I hear that from A&R people. And that's not just for young people. That's across the board, by the way. And I'll tell you, I'll give you a quick lesson on that that I learned early in my career. I went to a meeting at Sony Records way back in the day. I was pitching for a band called Ricochet, which some people may remember. Some people, Daddy's Money, that was one of their big hits. But I went to the A&R person and I was playing songs and she got about halfway through the third one. She stopped it and she turned around. And she goes, Tim, you are definitely, I know you know good songs and that these are good songs, but I don't think you know the target you're playing for. And you need to go back and do your research and then come back to me and play me some songs. Dude, I felt like I got hit by a train. I was pretty cocky at this point. <laughs> yeah. I had some cuts and some holds and I never had anybody talk to me like that. I've left there so dejected, but I also went back with a lesson. I rarely pitch songs when I don't go back, even now. Like if somebody wants a Kenny song, I'll go listen to some Kenny stuff, get into the headspace and go pull Kenny songs. So it's doing your research and knowing what you're doing is, is a valuable asset to, to building out your brand as an employee. That was a long circular answer. I told you I get chatty. <laughs> no, no, these are really great. And I actually 
would love for you to expand more on what you just mentioned, which is how to build your brand and add value to your company. One of the things that you, again, in a previous conversation that we've had before, you talked about being a well-rounded publisher and knowing the admin and everything about the business and kind of just trying to grow that knowledge as you go. And I would love for you to talk more about how people might go about doing that. Building your brand. I don't know. Everybody kind of has their own way. There's many ways to do it. For But to me, it's really being a part of the community, not just doing your job. If you're successful and you get cuts, you will do it. That's how I always saw I worked hard. I got cuts. I got a lot of activity. I signed a writer that went on to do well. I've signed many since then. But when I was your age and younger, I started getting cuts pretty quick. Uh, it was a different time. It was in the late 80s, early 90s. So yeah, way back machine. I wouldn't say getting cuts was easier. You just had more opportunities, a lot more labels. And I spent all my days pitching songs. We didn't do the calendar stuff. So it's a tad different, but you'd get really good at that. You outwork your coworkers and your friends. You just get more songs out the door. You just, that was always my philosophy. You can't outwork me. Um, but part two to that uh, is really learning how to attract writers and have them trust you. Building that trust relationship where you can sign the writers you want to work with and they believe in you and you believe in them. Another invaluable piece of, of advice given to me was from Tom Shapiro, who really mentored me, a hit songwriter back in the uh, 90s and early 2000s. And he said, take care of the creatives and they'll always take care of you. And I've really valued that. So I've really spent my life really, really servicing writers, being their advocate in that. But there's a third element to me, and that's our community. Are you being a good community leader? Are you, you know, there's multiple uh, boards. There's multiple, um, you know, advisory positions. There's YEP. There's SOLID. There's leadership music. There's the AIMP. There's, you know, NMPA, NSAI. There's a lot of places and communities and uh, that you can go to and, and, and offer and volunteer your time to help build our community and create something just outside yourself. This isn't just serving you, but serving the community. And I think that's invaluable that we continue in Nashville to be a unique community that we have by servicing others. And uh, I think that's super, super, super important, you know. Um, and I've always been ab uh, active in that, helping charities, whether it's Music Cares, Music Health Alliance, whether it's, you know, uh, St. Jude's, which we're, uh, you know, as an industry, very heavy and supporting and whatever that is, find another outlet to, you know, service your community and those out there. So let's say now you're a successful music publisher. You want to start a company. Walk me through the steps. Who do you need to have on your team? Opportunity, first and foremost. What do I mean by that? You know, the right opportunity. I'd wanted to do my own for a long time and uh, had a couple things that kind of didn't work out. Um, but there's a couple things to look at there. It's really challenging to do your own company now because overhead and costs are so high. So a big factor is money. You have to figure out a way to fund it. Um, my company was funded by a gentleman, JP Williams, who uh, out of his own pocket supported my company for six years. And I'm forever grateful that he did that. How did that happen? Divine intervention. Uh, I was let go from my job, which put me in a position to figure out what I needed to do. So there was my opportunity. What am I going to do? At the same time, I had an artist that was 
he was interested in managing and somehow we got connected and again, I'll say divinely. And he really wanted to do a publishing company. And I had a business plan, put together a business plan. If you don't know exactly how to do that, find somebody to help you. I had a five-year and a seven-year business plan. I had all the costs written out. I knew what it would cost, what it was going to take. I basically told him, here's how much money I'll lose for you in five or seven years. And then I kind of explained how we can make the money back. And uh, so you do have to have a good business plan and find partners. Now, what partners can look like for me, it was JP. He was a manager. And that feels like a great advocate to have to build a publishing company out with a because managers are cash flow, their money comes in, you know, they do a show, they get their money. So you help build the asset side, which is the publishing side. That Bill Ham was my first boss, was a manager of ZZ Top. So I learned that early in my career. Uh, it could be a hit songwriter that you become friends with that wants to build out a publishing company. You see many of those. There's Smack, there's Big Loud. There's also Ken Earls now has his with Kane Brown, uh, Verse 2 and so however that particular thing looks, you you know, partner up with something that's going to help maybe build and drive that company for you. Brett James has Corn Man. You know, there's there's different ways to bring that. But um, and I will say, be prepared uh, because it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's really tough when somebody puts their money into you and you know, you got to pay it back and you know, it, you don't heavy's the head that wears the crown. So when you are using other people's money, you feel real responsible for it and uh, it can weigh on you. But the plus side is I'm a man that likes to make his own decisions. So it was a joy to have the autonomy to do what I wanted to do and the way I wanted to do it. And uh, it's a lot of fun in that. So, but it, it is a hard, hard thing running your own company, but it's also very, very, very rewarding. The AIMP Nashville Pubcast is hosted by yours truly, Tim Hunzey, producer Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. And this has been a Dime Collective production.